0: Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Interview Erie. Today, uh, we're actually going to be talking with Rita Bishop, uh, one of the people running for county executive, uh, coming up in the primary and hopefully into November as well. Um, Rita has a, a fantastic story. Um, I actually, before I started to interview, I was doing some research and I went on her Facebook page uh, for her county executive run, and she had a wonderful kind of bio on herself with some great stuff that we're going to talk about today. Um, so without further ado, Rita, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Jacob. I'm
0: good. It's like nice to is, be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Uh, uh, like I said in my email to you, you know, our, our show right now is kind of going through people who are running for different offices throughout the county. Um, And this year has been fantastic. I think this is the most people I've ever seen run for all these different positions that are coming up at once. Mm -hmm. Um, And so kind of how I just wanted to start our interview was just, um, you know, one of the first questions you ask, where'd you come from? Uh, You know, where where do you think your story starts?
1: Well, my story starts in West County. Uh, I grew up live still to this day, just outside a small town called Albion. Um, Born and raised here all my life. Uh, I grew up, I have uh, grew up in a family of nine kids, uh, brothers and sisters. Grew up on a farm uh, from, you know, the time, you know, growing up on a farm out in the county, you know, most kids well, not most, every kid around this neighborhood, when you grow up in the, on a farm all summer long, you worked on the farm, you worked on the <laughs> farm when you got home from school. And from the time you were old enough to make money, you worked for other farms, picking vegetables or whatever to help pay for your clothes and stuff. Every kid did that. And every kid in the neighborhoods helped other farms. That's just the way it was. Um, no. I went to Northwestern. Graduated from Northwestern. I went to work for Mark's Toys. Now, <clears throat> you might be a little younger in Mark's Toys, but a lot of <laughs> older people do.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but uh, a lot of people around here went to work for Mark's Toys. I went to work for Mark's Toys until they closed in 1980. And at mm-hmm. that point, I decided to go on to college. So I put myself through school at Edinburgh. I worked, I did tutoring, I cleaned classrooms. I did whatever, I took out loans, the whole thing, put myself through school. After that, I then went on to work for Erie Business Center. I taught uh, computer science classes and this was way back when it was all starting, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) This was quite a while ago. After that, I started my own business. I started a computer training center called Personalized Computer Instruction. Most people in the county, even to this day, still remember PCI. Mm -hmm. on another instructor from erie business center and i started the business we trained people all over the county all kinds of businesses matter of fact erie county government was one of our big contracts that we did for years uh we did that for 16 years excuse me and then i went to work for hammett as an i.t coordinator for them for their hospice in great lakes from there I went to the county and that has been where I've been since and it'll be almost 11 years I've been with the county. Yeah. So that kind of in, in capitalizes my life into a little story. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean there's a there's a yeah. lot there. I mean it's it's kind yeah. of interesting, you know, I've I've met quite a few people who have grown up on farms. Um, and I, I usually find that's a, a, a very kind of Pennsylvania thing. Once once you get outside of like the two or three big cities in this state, um, you know, there's a lot of that kind of, of rural living and living on a farm. Um, what 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 do you think you learned from, you know, growing up on a farm and working every summer and kind of paying your own way, even as a kid? Well,
1: hard work, hard work. You learn to work hard. You learn responsibility because Every kid that grows up on a farm uh, learns that. I talked to a gentleman the other day. It was an interesting concept. He said, most people that grew up in, on farms went to work in labor industries, manufacturing, construction, because growing up on a farm, you learn to work hard. Mm-hmm. And so many went, and he said, part, pro, part of the problem, and it made sense, he's, you know, that you don't grow up on farms anymore. There aren't many farms out there. Most of the farms, you know, they're there, the land's there, but not the, the farm itself, not the production, that they don't get, you don't have that same work thing. Uh, but yeah, growing up on a farm you know, because every kid in the neighborhood, all your communities were the same. We were all the same. We all had the same values. And that old thing about, we all had many mothers growing up. Mm -hmm. You did. Because every kid in the neighborhood, didn't matter whose house you were at, that mother was the boss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I think that's something that you know, uh, distinctly different than, you know, how me and a lot of my friends grew up. You know, we very rarely, you know, that was our field trips as we go out to, you know, pick fruit or go to a farm or something like that. But we never really got to do any of that. You know, our summers were more about having fun and less working.
1: <laughs> well, it is a different time. So you never milked a cow,
0: right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can say I've never done that. I've always been interested in that. Definitely. I it's do. something it's very interesting to me
1: yeah well we could probably arrange it sometime for you <laughs> i do have friends who still have some cows <laughs>
0: there we go there we go yeah no i mean that's it's a very interesting thing because uh you know what what kind of farm did your parents have
1: well basically we had our farm what we weren't commercial mm-hmm. our farm was just for ourselves you know we raised our own uh Cows for beef, we raised, we had our own milk cows, pigs, chickens, vegetables. We canned, my mother, in the summer, we canned everything that could be canned. Uh, you know, tomatoes, peaches, apples, green beans, you name it, we canned it every yeah. summer. Kind of why I don't can today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I can understand that.
1: Yeah, but there's only me. So how many, what are you going to do, pan two jars or something to uh, buy it? You know? so.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, you know, you, it seems like you have like a really great kind of fondness for that time and, you know, uh, that kind of interaction and relationships you have with different people. Um, is, is there any like memory that really stands out to you, um, you know, from your childhood working on the farm or, or anything like that? It's
1: funny. My neighbors, they live on Connie Creek. And they had this great swimming hole, okay? In the summer, every family, when it was haying season, if we were doing our haying, all the neighbor kids had to come help us. When they did theirs, we wouldn't help them. But it was great after every day of doing haying all the neighbor kids, we went to this swimming hole. And what's funny is there's a family that lives down next to my neighbors that I grew up with, this new family, and their kids are using that swimming hole again. <laughs> Nobody awesome. has swam in that hole for years and their kids are swimming in it. It's, you know, it's great. You know, and we did, everybody did everything together in the winter, we all went sled riding together we just mm-hmm. did everything we rode bicycles well if you had a bicycle most of the people in my neighborhood we didn't have bicycles we had horses we had horses or ponies yeah we were lucky if you had a bicycle and if you did it was called a
0: junkyard bike mm-hmm. because it was pieces and parts of bikes put together <laughs> very interesting yeah i i mean and nowadays it's kind of the opposite is kids want horses and ponies not bikes
1: <laughs> Yeah. right yeah yeah
0: definitely interesting interesting so But, you know, kind of moving on from that, I think it's very interesting that you got into kind of computer science kind of at a a very early stage in kind of its adoption, you know, nationwide and across the world. What kind of drew you to that?
1: Well, um, I don't, you know, I don't know. When I went to school, I thought, okay, this is the up and coming thing. And to be honest with you, the very first computer course I took, was basic, okay, mm-hmm. programming. And I thought, oh my, what am I doing? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> because, and this was at the time, this was just as we were moving out of card readers, mm-hmm. punch cards. Okay, so it was at that time. Um, but I also, as I went on, I also wanted to be an educator. I've always wanted to be an ed- a teacher. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was up and coming and new. And I just got in and I got hooked. I'm not a geek. I will tell you that. I am not a geek. (laughs) I always tell people, I do this for a living. I -hmm. don't live this. You know, I don't. It's my job. This is what I do.
0: Okay. Um, You mentioned always wanting to be a teacher, an educator. Why is that? Because
1: I had some great teachers growing up. I had some wonderful, wonderful teachers, you know, and I've always said, you know, if a teacher's tough, doesn't make it a bad teacher. But I've had great teachers. I had Mrs. Stuntz, I had Mrs. Taylor. She was my fifth grade teacher. She was absolutely wonderful. And those women, I just always wanted to be like them, so. Okay.
0: So when you're when you're thinking about kind of like your your role as an educator, when you were when you were teaching, um, you know, and that was your job, what do you think was your your biggest takeaway from being an educator for a few years?
1: Well, it's a tough thing. You always I always, always hope to inspire. You always hope to inspire. Mm -hmm. I. Know that we trained, and when I taught, and my business was actually training, we taught classes for 16 years. Besides the when I taught for your business, center, we actually taught classes, so we taught people skills that they needed to get jobs. We basically mm-hmm. taught all the Microsoft products. Well, before the Microsoft products, before the WordPerfect and Lotus and DOS, and that was before a lot of people don't even remember those because everything's Microsoft. But we taught all those things because people needed those skills in order to get jobs. So it was good to know that you were, you were helping people move forward in their careers.
0: Okay. And I, I always find it very interesting when people start their own businesses. So, you know, as I told you when I introduced myself via email, I work as a business consultant. Um, and so I, I see people with so many different ambitions and ideas and kind of drives of what they want to do things. What made you want to start your own business? Well, it's something
1: I wanted to do. I wanted to help people. I wanted to, I wanted to expand on teaching people, adults computer things and you know there's something about being your own boss you don't always make a lot of money when you start own your own business (laughs) you know you don't make always make a lot of money you know I've always said you're last to be paid Uh, (laughs) um but it's just I don't know it was just something I thought would be a great idea and we did it and it took us a couple years to get going but uh we did I had an older man when I first started my the business. He was in his 80s, and he was a, a an advertising guy. <clears throat> he told me, he said, and he was a one man guy, one man show. And he said, when you start your own business, you do everything you can do yourself. Too many people want to be the boss, and they want to farm it all out. They want to have all these employees do what you can do yourself. And that will build your business.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely makes you, you know, a more confident and informed entrepreneur. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. And when you, you did it, you had a business for 16 years, which in itself is very impressive. Um, you know, one of the things I always teach when I I do first step classes for new entrepreneurs is, you know, 33% of small businesses fail within the first three to four years. Um, what, what do you think was the kind of the key to your longevity, why you guys were able to hang around for so long? Um, honestly,
1: we had great contacts. We had great contacts. We and it, majority of the people that backed us in business and continuing our business and getting contracts, helping us with contracts were women, were women in positions already. Uh, A woman named Linda Stevenson, she was with the banks for years. She's retired now, but a lot of people know Linda because she's with the Athena program. She gave us our very first contract when the men on the board were like, ah, they're new business. And she said, give them a chance. You know, so we, you know, all of our contracts, it just built and built and built. The more people got to know us, They liked us. We were all very personable. I mean, we were Mm -hmm. likable people. Um, Yeah, so you know, contacts are a great thing. Networking, sometimes, and reputation. Your Mm -hmm. reputation will make your break you too. Oh yeah, we always had a great reputation. Also,
0: that's fantastic. I mean, that's. That's really when I, when I, I talk to people who start their own businesses, you know, I always try to ask, you know, what was their secret? And I think you, you hit it right on the head is, you know, you really took the initiative and said, what, what can I do and what am I willing to do? And, and going forward with it to, to make your business succeed. Mm-hmm. Yes. We
1: awesome. didn't make a lot of money in the beginning, <clears throat> but you
0: know,
1: we stuck with
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's perseverance, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. So but the next question we have is, you know, where are you going? Where do you see yourself going from, from now until whenever you want to, Rita?
1: I'm going to be the next county executive. That's where I'm going. And I'm going to do things for the county. When I say the county, I mean all of the county. Mm-hmm. I mean all 21 townships, all 14 boroughs. In the two cities, <laughs> you don't realize there's two cities in the in the county. Did you know that? I did. Know that.
0: Yeah.
1: And Cory is a city. People don't realize that, but there's a whole lot of townships as well. Everybody's going to be covered. I we need to expand our resources, so that is where I'm going. Okay. What? And what ma- wants to come along with me?
0: Yeah. What made you want to run for county executive? okay
1: i have worked for the county in the actual county for ten and a half years okay i've worked with the county for many years i worked actually when i had when we had our business personalized computer instruction we actually that was started during the lynch years okay and judy lynch was always a big supporter of us and that's part of why we we trained people at the county that Judy Lynch supported us. Um, So I've been involved in the county for a long time, but being there for this 10 and a half years, and as an IT specialist, I have been in the trenches. I've been in the trenches, I've seen it all. I've seen how things work. Uh, I just think we can do a better job with things. You know, the, counties, the counties, uh what's the word I want? The, the reason the county's there is the county takes in taxpayers' money. Okay, now we get a lot of money from the state and the federal governor, government also. But those taxes that the taxpayers pay, that is to support services that the county is to provide for the taxpayers. It's not that money isn't meant to give it to this organization, this economic development organization and this this company that's going to do some type of survey for the county on something that's out of Pittsburgh and stuff. If you're going to do that, at least do it local. We have a lot of services that are offered by the county. And a lot of that money is not going where it's supposed to go. And I think that's why the, the. taxpayers are so upset because they see their taxes go up and up and they're not getting the services that they were meant to get to. The county is a huge umbrella. People don't realize all the things that fall under county government. That is all provided and to be provided for the taxpayers. Uh So that's the big issue besides helping outside I'm belief, you know, that <clears throat> if you start the top-down economy thing doesn't work. It hasn't worked since <laughs> Reagan put it in. And, you know, if we build our base, our townships and boroughs, and build them up, everything will flow up. We keep dumping, dumping, dumping money into the city, and I don't have anything against the city. But... It doesn't do anything, any good to dump it on the top if the bottom isn't getting any of it. Mm-hmm. So those are, you know, <laughs> those are the reasons I'm running.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are, those are good reasons, definitely. I mean, it's, it's definitely a concern I think is on everybody's mind, um, you know, and especially it, at a time uh, as we're coming out of this pandemic, when some people are still economically uncertain, they wanna know that there's, there's something there and that money's being used effectively. Um, so when you're talking about, obviously you, you hit on a lot of, a lot of different issues in what you just discussed there. Um, but what do you see as, you know, maybe your, your top one or your top three things you think, um, you know, you would, you would tackle first uh, as county executive? Okay. Um,
1: one of the things, you know, we need to have skilled labor in the county. Uh, We can tear down every old manufacturing building there is in this county. But if we don't have skilled labor, companies aren't going to come and build in your county. You have to have skilled labor. You can talk to any, any union, the carpenters, the laborers, the pipe fitters, the electricians, whatever, they will tell you they are desperate for workers. Okay, Mm -hmm. Well, for one thing, if you have an empty lot and you're a company and you wanna move to Erie, your company, who's gonna build that building for you? Nothing exists without the trades, nothing. If you don't have the trades and we don't have skilled labor like that, we have got to get skilled labor, skilled labor trained, Jobs will come. Skilled labor pays good money. I always tell a story about a friend of mine. He's 27. I'm not going to say his name. Everybody knows that knows me knows who he is. He's 27 years old. When he was 21, he went to one of the local <clears throat> car dealerships to be a mechanic. Okay. Well, he started as a mechanic. He took every class they would pay to send him to, just like the unions do. The unions pay for you to go to school. They take care of all that. Last year, he's twenty-seven. He made eighty thousand dollars as a mechanic. Okay, and people are like, "What? Turning wrenches? You made that much money?" <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah, he's a he's a master mechanic. He has one more class to finish, and he will be a senior master mechanic, and he'll make over a hundred thousand dollars turning wrenches. And you know what? He doesn't have any student loans either.
0: Uh Isn't
1: that amazing? People think these are are the trades. These are the skills people need because without these, we don't have anything else. You can be a doctor, lawyer, whatever. But if you don't have the trades, we're not going to have anything. We have to focus on that. We have to focus on the trade because the trade will give us jobs. Jobs that people can raise families on. Okay. That's one thing. The other thing is <clears throat> I don't know how often you get out in the county. Our county is huge. I have been to uh-huh. every town in the <clears throat> Okay. We have so much industry gone. And because of the size of the county <clears throat> and the way things are one of the big things we need to help is our fire departments, our volunteer fire departments. You know, it cost over, over $700,000 for a fire department to replace certain types of trucks. Yeah, And with the pandemic, they couldn't do their raffles. They couldn't have their dinners. They couldn't rent out their halls. They lost so much funding in their fund raising that they do that they're they're hurting yeah they get some money from the state and they get some money from each of their townships they're in to help them but it is not enough money and the other thing is, is we don't have any incentive for anybody to become a firefighter you know young people don't want to do it for one thing you don't get paid to do it it's volunteer. If you take classes now, a lot of them, you have to pay for your own classes because the fire departments can't afford to pay for you to take classes, okay? And then if you become one, you can't just join and get jump on the truck. You have to be certified in everything that you wanna do with the fire department, okay? So then you do all this, okay? You become a firefighter, Jacob, and you're at work, you get the call, there's a fire. Now you have a choice do I leave work because maybe my employer doesn't pay me for that time I have to leave or do I stay because I have bills to pay? We have to help them. I mean I don't know about you, but I live out in the out, way out in the county and mm-hmm. if my place ever catches on fire, I hope to gosh that these guys show up you yeah. know and can get, and can get here in time yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely an interesting thing. Uh, you know, I, I I've seen over the past couple of months, uh, you know, through the local news, they're always extending the deadline for applications for volunteer firefighters. You know, to try to get more and more. And um, I think it's very interesting. You know, the number of volunteer fire departments that exist. Um, I think even nationwide, the majority are volunteer. Um, oh, yeah. You know, which, which is very interesting when you think about like our emergency services and things like that. We don't we don't necessarily think. You know of police officers as volunteers you know they're full-time professionals uh you know there are some volunteer emts but there's also full-time ones but very few full-time paid firefighters exactly exactly and
1: you know and that's part of public safety you know we poured all this money into 26 million into the new radio system okay for the fire departments police department for not, at nine one one, and that's great, <clears throat> but our volunteer fire departments—that is public safety. Also, we need to take some of that taxpayer money. And my thing is, is the gaming money. We get five point mm-hmm. seven million dollars of gaming ma- money. The county does. So let's take some of that money. It's still pu- it's public safety, and fund some of these fire departments.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely something to think about, you know, is, is that, is that the best use of funding? Um, I definitely think there's some arguments you can make for that. Um, awesome. Well, I, I, I think, I think you, you know, you have clearly have a lot of passion for what you want to do and the position you're running for, um, you know, and, and you've thought about some of the things that are really affecting the County. And at least for me, I, I knew about the two cities, but I did not realize that we had 21 different townships um, within the County and just how, how, how big. Erie County actually is when we we put it in comparison to some of these things. It's huge, it's huge. And you know, it's funny,
1: people don't know. I had people say, wow, I didn't know Union City was part of the county, you know? People don't even know what (laughs) is part of the county because they never leave their own little niche, you know? Mm -hmm. It's huge, it's huge. And there's, you know, there's poverty everywhere in this county. People tend to think the only poverty is in the city of Erie. That is not true. You can go to any of these places out in the county, and you can see <coughs> storefront businesses closed. You know, <clears throat> I grew up in a small town outside of Albion. We used to have three grocery stores. Uh, we had a shoe store, clothing stores, restaurants. There were three or four restaurants, bars. Okay. We have hardly any of that anymore. We have one grocery store, but you know, every town has a dollar general or a family dollar, or dollar tree, you know, and why is yeah. that? Why is that? What does that say when those, those are our main, uh, on, not even entrepreneur, cause they're all big business in our small towns.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think rural rural poverty is something that I don't I I don't think gets enough attention. And you're you're totally right. Is uh, I think when you brought up, you know, there's only two cities. Uh, a lot of people they think Erie County, and they think, oh, well, you got Erie, right? And then you have everything else. We uh, I you know I live in the city of Erie, and everybody always calls it, oh, it's out in the county. And you <laughs> and you put that in perspective and go, well, you know, Erie is such a small part of the county as a whole. Oh, it is. It is. Um, and uh, I definitely think you, you had a, a good point there. Uh, I, one of the things I do as a business consultant is we do a, a tourism recovery accelerator. And I have been talking with businesses, you know, across the state and a couple in Erie County. And they said the same thing. A, a, a gentleman's opening up a pub here in Erie County. And he goes, you know, the, the place where I'm opening it there, you know, five, 10 years ago, there was multiple restaurants. There was a small hotel and an inn. And now I'm the only place besides the grocery store that sells food. Um, and it, it really, you know, opens your eyes to what's happening and, and uh, kind of the, the economic inequality that sometimes happens even between, you know, medium-sized cities like Erie and the, the smaller cities like Corey and these townships and boroughs that, um, are just kind of left out in the cold sometimes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Corey, Corey used to be a huge booming business. City, city. Okay. You know. Their industry, if you go to Corey, there are so many places. I was in Cory one time, and I talked to a, a man. who <clears throat> was a farmer. His farm, and he still has it, has been in the family for over 100 years. Wow. Well, and he was a dairy farmer. At the point, you know, the price of milk, they just weren't making any money. And that's even happened to guys, my neighbors. They get to a point where they had to sell their cows and sell their equipment. And he had told me that when he decided to sell, he thought he would get like a hundred and thirty thousand with the equipment, the cows, everything. At the auction, he ended up with thirty thousand.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah.
1: So, what land he has, he has he a lot of his his farmland. He has kind of leased out to an agency that then in turn leases it to you know, but he told me, he said, drive up this, corner." he said, drive up route 89. See how many farms you say, see up there that are still farms the lands there, but there's no animals. There's no nothing, you know, and that's true. And this poor guy is so worried that he's going to lose the family farm on his watch. You know, and that and it's everywhere. It hap- It's everywhere where that's happening. It's not just stores and gas stations, it's our farms. And, you know, one of the things I would hope with the pandemic that people realize how important our farmers really are, you know? So much so, look at all the people who started doing their own gardening, where they think mm-hmm. that stuff came from before. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Our
1: farmers,
0: you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely during the pandemic, I, I, I saw a lot of farmers who stepped up and they, they filled that gap you know, oh, when man. there was shortages of, of meats, uh, hand sanitizers, milk, vegetables, uh, you know, it, we, people started to realize, and I, I agree with you, I hope to a larger degree, that, you know, these places exist and you could get that stuff whenever you wanted. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. We're, we're so accustomed to, oh, if I want something, I'll get online and order it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not knowing where it's coming from and where you could have saved money and gone down the street. You
0: know? yeah and kept yeah. kept your money in your local economy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. awesome So <laughs> as we as we kind of you know go into our third question here um, you know you've touched on a lot of great stuff so our, our last question you know as we kind of wrap up our, our interview today is what did you learn?
1: What have I learned through my whole life? <laughs> oh my
0: God. what whatever you want yeah however <laughs> no, you want right. to take it you go right ahead. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, you have any idea how old I am? You'll <laughs> we'll be, we'll be here a while, Jacob. Ah, no. You know, I have always, and I've said this, and people that know me will tell you you get what you give in life. You got to help people. We all need help no matter what. And whatever you have to offer, offer it. We are all, we all, people say, well, you know, you do this for a living and I do this. I say, we all do what we do. Okay. So we need to help each other. We need to train each other. We need to step up. Those are the biggest things. I'm, I am very passionate and and people tell me, you know, maybe I'm a little too passionate about the County and I, I hate to see everything that our parents, my parents, your grandparents, whatever worked for it to build this county, just go away. Um, I think, you know, during the, the pandemic, there's a couple things we could have done a little different, uh, but nobody was prepared for it. Nobody was at all prepared for this. And nobody's to blame, you know, people wanna blame Kathy Camper, a lot of it, she had no control over. The governor makes the decisions for a lot of it. We got to stop blaming people and learn from what could have been done, what needs to be done. We need to be pre- prepared for things. Uh, one of the, the only thing I think we could have done a little bit better is all of the money that became available for small businesses. I think we could have focused a little more on getting people that know how to fill out those applications for stuff, to go to small businesses and say, do you know how to do this? If not, let us help you do it. Because I'm sure there were a ton of mom and pop or, or new businesses that just started that didn't get money because they didn't know how to do it. I yep. think we could have we helped there a little bit more. Uh, because there are a lot of companies I know I've talked to people that they didn't get it because they didn't know how to fill out the stuff they didn't know what the requirements were we could have helped a little bit more there okay
0: uh and I, I think you you hit it right in the head I mean we all need help and and what you can offer offer it um you know if anything I think that's a very that's a very timeless sentiment um that I think transcends anybody's age, where they're from, you know, any era. It's all about coming together and helping people where you can and how you can.
1: And I think the pandemic made us aware of how important the people around us are. You know, we get wrapped up in technology and we tend to ignore the people we care about. So I think some good things Unfortunately, some good things came out of of the pandemic, the closeness of families, children. The school thing was a little crazy and still is, but we live and we learn. And hopefully, hopefully that's the big thing, we learn from the things.
0: You know, and I I think that's a, I think that's a great place to end our interview for today. Um, I want to thank you so much for joining me, Rita. Uh, You, you really uh, have been a fantastic guest and I appreciate you um, joining me on this journey of these three questions of where'd you come from, where are you going and what have you learned? Um, I really appreciate your time today.
1: Well, thank you, Jacob. I I enjoyed talking to you.
0: I really did. It's nice to put a face and a name. (laughs) That's awesome. And that was an interview with Rita Bishop, uh, a very interesting individual running for county executive uh, in Erie County. Um, you know, just listening to that interview and and listening back to it now, it was so many great things that I really uh, learned from that. So let's, let's have a little bit of a recap, right? So Rita grew up on a farm, uh, you know, right outside of Albion, uh, had uh, eight brothers and sisters, big, big family, um, And a couple of things she learned from there were hard work and responsibility, Uh, you know, during the summers, working on other farms and their own farm, earning money to pay for their school clothes and things like that, helping out the family. I think that really, you you can kind of hear that how she talks and her passion, that 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 has translated through her life, Um, hard work and responsibility. Uh, In 1989, she started her own business. So Rita not only is a a longtime public servant and a hard worker, she's also an entrepreneur and a former business owner. Um, A big step for anybody. I mean, it's it's a risk to get out there and put your name on the line, your money on the line, uh, and really pursue that dream. And she did that for 16 years, which is really impressive. Um, Throughout her life, she had many influential people, mainly her teachers. Uh, people who inspired her to want to teach other people and inspire the people she taught. Um, Being able to do that, for me personally, I think that's a great thing. Being able to teach, being able to inspire and know that you're helping make a bigger difference even beyond just what you're doing initially. It's really, really interesting. And then finally, uh, one of the things Rita said I, I thought was very impactful. We all need help and what you can offer, offer it. I think if we take nothing else away from this episode, it's that Rita Bishop is a very helpful, passionate person who is here to do the best they can in whatever they do. So thank you all for listening to another episode of Interview Erie, and we hope to see you next time.